Welcome to Rants and Reason. I am Chuck. I am Karen. I used to be a Democrat. I used to be a Republican. I am still a liberal. And I'm still a conservative. But other than that, we're really not sure what we are. We do know, as Abraham Lincoln reminds us, that we are not enemies. We are friends. We are friends. And as my as my friend, as your friend, I am very, very happy to see you back up and on your feet, Karen. You were, you were pretty ill there for a while, and you I put was. a little scare into us. Yeah, I was in the hospital for about a week, and it took a little bit to recover from that. I'm still moving slower than I would like to, but I am here, and I am recording, and that is a good thing. Well, I still maintain that you're as tenacious as any honey badger I've ever met, and it would take... <laughs> Someone driving a stake through your heart to put you down, but I, I but I'm very happy you're here. It I'm is a compliment, go. Karen. Okay. Thank you. So now that you are back, what are we going to talk about, Karen? Well, unfortunately, the really tragic events of the last week um, are kind of dominating the news and brought up some things that we want to talk about. Really, until the just completely horrific shooting in Pittsburgh this week, the news was pretty much just about the suspicious packages that were delivered to prominent Democrats. And in the wake of that particular story, way too many people ran with the whole false flag conspiracy theory. If you just take a look on Twitter and on Facebook and Reddit and all of those things, you'll find that despite all objective evidence to the contrary, there are still those perpetuating the idea that the packages were sent as a coordinated effort to help the Democrats in the midterms. It's true. The timing is very, very good for the Democrats. And that has frustrated a lot of mainstream Republicans because it sucks up airtime and it keeps the right from talking about the economy and other issues that they feel would help them in elections, which unfortunately right now is the caravan coming in on the southern border, which the whole narrative that there are terrorists in this caravan is absolutely ridiculous and it's unfounded. There's no statistical evidence that terrorists come in through the southern border. There's a really great study by Cato um, where they actually look at that particular thing. And there there have been a couple of people who have some links to people who have had terrorist threats. There There are no actual ties to terrorists. There have been more ties to terrorists, not that there are a lot of those, but there have been more coming in through the Canadian border than the southern border. And stop, like we de- stop, stop. Did you say terrorists are coming from the Canadian border? Oh my word. Crossing. Can we not What have I been saying Canadian forever? Friends? I'm not say- I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying we should build a wall. Build the wall. Those people <laughs> They're running away from free health care and coming over here and paying absorbent prices for it. We need to keep them out. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think you're crazy. That's what I think. But it really there is no evidence to the fact that that terrorists are coming in through the southern border, nor. Are there a bunch of MS-13 people coming in through the southern border? We debunked that in, I think, what, the third episode of our immigration series? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we found out a lot of facts regarding that. That I mean, the narratives are just completely false. 
and just the logistics of a Islamic jihadist from the Middle East, right? From the Middle East, mm-hmm. hiding out in the middle of this caravan. Right. It's not as easy as it as people. I'm people just assume. Oh, they have brown skin too, so it would be easy. No. Yeah. So they'll it's blend right language. in. <laughs> I mean, and the the last thing that these people in the caravan want is someone in the middle of it that might get them all shot at the border. Right. They're not going to say, oh, you're just a terrorist. Okay, come with us because we're seeking political asylum and they're probably going to give political asylum to someone who may be a terrorist. So the caravan. But speaking of caravans, (laughs) let's talk about our our. I don't even can you call him a pipe bomber because those things were bigger duds than the tax cuts. Oh, my goodness. He <laughs> And they had about as much impact as the tax cuts. But he was building or, pipe or bombs. The, the, um, the letters that Cory Booker threatened to release, kind of like that, a dud like that. Right. The Spartacus moment. <laughs> the Spartacus sort of like moment. That. <laughs> yeah. He was building these things in his van down by a river. Well, it was so, Miami, right? So, I mean, well, it was probably you, more like a inlet. <laughs> you know, but you had to know, and no offense to our Cali and the people we love there, but you knew when they caught this kook, he was going to be in Florida. <laughs> you know, because, I was raised in Florida, right? I just want to point that out. Oh, I know that. I know that. And it <laughs> explains a lot about you. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. So this guy is living in a van. He's got mm-hmm. kicked out of the house by his parents. And his problem are the Democrats in power. Well, here's my thing. So he basically followed um, what cable news said, right? I mean, maybe the radio, maybe he got his information from talk radio, but it seemed like it was straight out of Hannity's playbook right i mean where all the was he that he was not right where was he didn't have cable in his right van. where was he going to watch cable <laughs> right so did I he have like a little satellite you. antenna did he have <laughs> dish know. network on top of his van i don't know my thing about it is you know how with any type of um mass shooter or terror type situation they the police will always come out afterwards and say you know if you see something say something well did you see the stickers on this guy's van? I mean, it basically covered the whole van. These ginormous Trump stickers and, you know, uh, pictures of Hillary Clinton with in, in crosshairs. And I mean, that's the epitome of if you see something shady. <laughs> I just don't understand how no one was like, you know what? Maybe we should just kind of inform the police that he's a little bit radical. I don't know. But but as our friend Callie would say, if you see that in Florida, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> she would say that. It's true. It's true. But I, it just blows me away that you're living in a van and you're dedicating your time and resources to building pipe bombs that don't even go off. Wouldn't you think that you would invest in like a pizza or Taco Bell or something right. from Postage the dollar is, menu at McDonald's? Postage is for real now. I mean, that's expensive to send packages. So, Oh, and, 
that Cory Booker package had all it was loaded with stamps. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm just wondering what I don't know. I, I guess I'm not really going to get inside his head. I mean, I wonder I if there's a Spartacus stamp. <laughs> I didn't really think so. <laughs> But I mean, you know, we're all just so I'm not making fun of homeless people. I'm just right. And we're not making bad fun choice. of threats either. Just that this particular guy lived in a van, maybe by a river, which is sort of humorous. But the rest of it is terrible. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. OK, now to understand all this, you have to know what a false flag event is. A false flag operation is an operation conducted by one party of the government and made to appear as though it were sponsored by another party or government. Now, this is often done to sway public opinion. The term, although not the tactic, has its origins in the traditions of honorable naval warfare. That always kind of makes me laugh, honorable warfare. But anywhere where ships were required to sail under their own national flag in order that they could be identified. Now, as people learned that deception was more effective than playing by the rules, ships began sailing under false colors, flying their enemy's flag in order to get close to the enemy before opening fire on them. It's a pretty bogus thing to do, actually. It is. Yeah, that's that's a pretty jerky thing to do. Well, you hear the term false flag almost always whenever conspiracy theories abound. It's, it's really no coincidence that, that, that an industry of false flag allegations has really grown in proportion with the mass consumption of social media. Really, theories are created and they spread rapidly online by a range of groups. Conspiracy broadcasters have large international audiences. And it's important to note that by gaining large audiences, they make money from promoting these conspiracy theories. I, When we were looking at the information here, I, rem- I was trying to remember because I have a propensity to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I know this is going to shock everybody. Just a, just a wee tad, just, yeah. Just a wee bit. But I, I think I've, I've uh, weaned myself off of most of it. But I was trying to think about like what caused me to be that way and um, other than growing up in Florida I was I listened to coast to coast AM Um, my mom and I had a one-bedroom house and so I or a one-bedroom apartment and she would play it all night and it was on from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. and it just had a whole bunch of different things. I mean, there were people talking about alien abductions and reptilian people and sandwiched in between these completely nutty things. There would be a little bit of anti-government rhetoric and they would talk about Ruby Ridge and Waco and then Oklahoma City. And I ended up, you know, I happened to live in Oklahoma City at the time of the Oklahoma City bombing. And so that kind of made those stories more interesting to me because I wanted to know what was going on. And I really think that so many people, those theories sounded almost plausible when you put them up against a lot of the other ridiculous time continuum theories and things like that that you would hear on Coast to Coast AM. And I really think that's where a lot of the conspiracy theory thing started. And then you had Y2K. And there were so many conspiracies regarding Y2K. And that's where you started seeing a lot of the survivalist and gold, you know, um, 
advertising and people started making a lot of money off of people's fear. That was when you started seeing that again, the rise in that. And, and you listened to Art Bell quite a bit as a kid. I did. I even called in and talked to him a few times. So I definitely did listen. And if you really think about it, I mean, it played in the middle of the night. You know, when you have background noise on during the day, it doesn't affect you like at night when you're just focused on whatever it is that you hear. So I think that that really kind of planted a seed for a lot of people. And then you had, I don't think Art Bell meant, I think he was doing it kind of in good fun. There was a little bit of free speech stuff involved with him, but he was more of a libertarian and he didn't really believe a lot of these conspiracies. But then you had people come out of that like Alex Jones. And look at what Alex Jones did with Sandy Hook. You know, he he said that he was the one who said that a lot of the people in the Sandy Hook situation were crisis actors. And he actually said back in 2012 and 13 that Sandy Hook was just a false flag and that no one actually died. He claimed that the children killed were acting for the cameras and that the parents had faked their own children's deaths. Well, and guys like Alice Jones, they they take advantage of the inevitable conclusion that comes with complex events like mass shootings and they freely speculate on these events. Right. And then they lodge their explanation in the minds of their audience. Right. It's such a confusing time. It, there's so much chaos that people get very, very confused. And, and I think these people capitalize on that. Right. And these theories will be laughable and really unworthy of our attention if it weren't for the real world impacts that they had and the fact that so many people believe them. And when Jones was interviewed by Megyn Kelly last year, parents of Sandy Hook victims had to get on the airwaves, had to get on the Internet to protest. They said that on top of their grief, they'd been harassed for years since massacre by people who, thanks in part to Jones, believed that they and their dead children were lying. So the real question behind all of these is why do seemingly rational people believe such obvious, obviously false narratives? And I'll tell you why, Karen. Okay. It's because of crazy Uncle Joe. And you're, you're not talking about Joe Biden when you say that, right? I'm just... No, I'm not. That. I'm just talking about crazy Uncle Joe yeah. who comes on Thanksgiving, Easter, uh, Passover, whatever holiday <laughs> you might have, celebrate... Mm -hmm the summer solstice um and everybody has one right. he shows up at every wedding every birthday party and he's always the guy who's telling you how the moon landing was filmed in a studio in los angeles the attacks on 9-11 were an inside job he knows everything about chemtrails he tells you how the fda is withholding the cure for cancer although uncle joe has convinced me that the fda is withholding the cure for cancer why wouldn't they <laughs> I mean, there's so much money to be made in cancer. But anyway, don't be too hard on Uncle Joe when you when you see him, Karen. And do not argue with him because he's going to ignore every objective fact that you throw at him. Right. The other thing about Uncle Joe, he's also that guy who always farts and blames the dog. <laughs> but you do that, too. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Well, our question was, why do some people believe in conspiracy theories anyway? Part of it is our own nature. The brain did not evolve to process information about industrial economies, terrorism, or medicine, but about survival in the wild. This includes a tendency to assume that unseen predators are lurking or that coincidental events are somehow related. But why are some people more inclined to believe in them? This is exactly the question that was posed by British psychologist Karen Douglas and her colleagues in a recent article in the journal Current Directions in Psychological Science. The answer is it's not because they are stupid. Many very intelligent people believe in conspiracies. The researchers found that the reasons for believing in conspiracies can be grouped into three categories. The desire for understanding and certainty, the desire for control and security, and the desire to maintain a positive self-image. So let's take a look at um, each one of these. Well, start with the desire for understanding and certainty. And I know myself, I hate uncertainty more than anything. I mean, if I have a if I have a mole on my arm, mm-hmm. I would rather have a doctor tell me that it's melanoma than wonder if it's melanoma. Right. I hate uncertainty. I hate looking out the window when it's cloudy and not knowing if it's going to rain or not. You can't even enjoy it because it's right. You don't know. Right. Uncertainty drives me crazy. So seeking explanations for events, it's a natural human desire. We constantly ask why things happen the way they do. You know, why does it have to rain the day I want to go out? Why did she not respond to my text? (laughs) Why can't you understand what I'm trying to say to you? And we don't just ask questions. We also quickly find answers to those questions, but not necessarily the true answers, but answers that fit into our worldview or answers that comfort us. Like it's raining because I have the worst luck and God hates me. Um, She doesn't answer my text, respond to my text because she's taking a nap. She doesn't care about getting the podcast out on time. I'm the only one who cares about that. Um, I feel like this this is very targeted commentary. No, I'm just random, just random <laughs> things just off random the top people. of my head. Gotcha. And, you know, why can't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Well, you can't understand what I'm saying because you're just not listening to me. You don't want to hear me. It's not that I'm talking in circles. It's not that I make no sense whatsoever. Right. It's just that you're not listening. (laughs) Exactly. So now we all harbor these false beliefs, these things that we believe to be true, but in fact are not. Now, an example would be if you believe that Philadelphia is the capital of the United States, you're just a victim of a false belief. Once you're, confront it with the fact that D.C. is the capital of the United States, you can easily change your mind. You're just misinformed. You're not emotionally invested in that fact. Conspiracy theories are false beliefs, too, by definition. But people who believe in them, they have a vested interest in maintaining them. First of all, they put a lot of effort into understanding the conspiracy theory explanation for the event. They read books, they have websites, and they can stay on the internet and keep going over, you know, finding more information. Mm -hmm. They watch TV programs and all things 
they find all kinds of things to support these beliefs. Right. I, you know, when I'm finding documentaries for my kids to watch, and it's actually hard to find evidence-based documentaries on Netflix because there's so many quote-unquote documentaries about aliens and things like that. It, it's it's kind of right. disheartening, right? But you can find anything to um, confirm your bias. And fit your narrative, right? Right. And so uncertainty is an unpleasant state. I mean, nobody likes uncertainty. Some people can't stand uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Conspiracy theories provide this sense of understanding and certainty that's comforting to people. Right. And the second one was the desire for control and security. So people need to feel like they're in control of their lives. For instance, many people just feel safer when they're the driver of the car rather than a passenger. You know, I come across this problem a lot. People always want to drive my car and not have me drive. I don't No, 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 no. That is called just a survival instinct. <laughs> I'm That's not, not right. But yeah. even the best drivers can get into accidents for reasons that they have no control over. So conspiracy theories can give their believers a sense of control and of security. This is especially true when the alternative count feels threatening. For example, if you believe that temperatures are rising catastrophically due to human activity, then you'll have to make painful changes to your very, very comfortable lifestyle. If you don't... Unless, hold on, mm -hmm. unless you are living in a van down by the river, <laughs> then you care about global warming because it's hotter than Jesus in Florida in a van down by the river in the summertime. When you're trying to make your pipe bomb. Okay. If you don't, then you feel no obligation to change. So motivated reasoning is a very important component in conspiracy theory beliefs. You believe what makes your life easier, right. basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's look at the desire to maintain a positive self-image. Now, research shows that people who feel socially marginalized are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. See, I think it's the other way around. I think they get socially marginalized because they keep spouting these conspiracy theories to everyone. But anyway, we all have this desire to maintain a positive self-image, which comes generally from the roles we play in life. Our jobs, education, our relationships with our family, our friends. You know, I might be one of those people. Anyway, I don't have friends and things like that. But anyway... When we know that we make a positive difference in the lives of others, you know, as a parent, a spouse, a coach, a teacher, a mentor, then we see our own lives as worthwhile and we feel good about ourselves. But you take Uncle Joe. He's probably a jerk. He doesn't have that many friends. Maybe he's on disability and hasn't worked in years. His kids are grown. They're independent. His marriage might be distant. You know, he doesn't talk to his wife much, whatever. He feels socially excluded. Plus, he farts all the time. People don't want to hang out with him. However, you know what Uncle Joe has? Uncle Joe has broadband, <laughs> Wi-Fi, and plenty of time to surf the Internet for information about conspiracy theories. Right. And he can chat online with people who hold similar views. So you know what's happened to Uncle Joe now? Uncle Joe has found his tribe. Exactly. Right. He has a sense of community now. Mm -hmm. Now, furthermore, Karen. Oh, nice. Furthermore. Yeah. 
His research into conspiracy theories has given him a sense that he's this holder of privileged information. He has the key to the kingdom. Right. He's an expert. And, you know, the people talk to people about 9-11 who think it's an inside job. Mm -hmm. They literally are experts on so many of right, the facts that happened aspects, at during 9-11. Right. Well, I mean, almost every conspiracy theory is um, cloaked in a nugget of truth. That's what makes them so, right. you know, that's what makes them believable to intelligent people. They, they have a nugget of truth and that little tiny bit of truth might be couched in a whole bunch of lies, but it doesn't really matter. You know, that th the facts that are involved in the truth are what make you, what feed that desire to feel like you are an expert on something. Right. And I'm not saying this is a fact. This is one of the ones that's always ran out that jet fuel can't burn hot enough to make metal bend, you know, in the towers. Now, I don't know if that's a fact or not, but that's something that, you know, you always hear. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true. But people will tell you that as if it is a definite fact. They want to feel like they know. Mm -hmm. Right. And they'll tell you the times that it collapsed and how it collapsed and how many firemen were. Right. I mean, they, and some of those facts. So many might of be the true. facts. Mm -hmm. Right. So many of the facts they have, they have an incredible amount of knowledge. They have just reached the wrong conclusions. Right. And it makes being able to spout all of those facts makes Uncle Joe feel pretty good about himself. Mm -hmm. Therefore worthy. So basically, we have a good understanding of what motivates people to believe in these theories. They do so because of the three basic needs we all have to understand the world around us, to feel secure and in control and to maintain a positive self-image. Right. All things, all things normal people want. Mm -hmm. And. That this is how people have to turn to get them. Some people have to turn to to get right. them conspiracy theories. Right. The real question for us now is how do we deal with the Uncle Joe in our life? Well, you can offer counter evidence um, attempting to convince him to give up on his conspiracy theories, but you're really very unlikely to succeed. And that's because you're arguing facts while Uncle Joe is defending his sense of security and his positive feelings about himself. So changing Uncle Joe or any other conspiracy theorist's mind is a very difficult and daunting task. One evidence-based tactic that is found to be effective is um, it's a de-biasing technique. It it's to replace prevention-oriented thinking, which means to preserve control, security, and self-worth, what you need to do to preserve those things, with promotion-oriented thinking, things that are going to make you better or improve your life. So the mere fact that someone showed themselves to be a conspiracy theorist equips you with the knowledge that they have certain emotional needs. And remember, knowledge is power. So... Give them room to control something else. Find an area where they can have agency. Give them goals, even if it's just in conversation. Ask them about a story in their lives where they achieved something, maybe even if you've heard it before, over and over and over again. Just ask them about it. It's something that makes them feel good about themselves. Ask for their expertise in something, even if you don't actually want or need that expertise. Evidence shows that changing a mindset from prevention to promotion is one of the most highly effective ways to combat 
conspiracy thinking. So if you aren't really able to do that, if you just can't make yourself do that, try diversion. If you have to hang... That, yes? It, at Thanksgiving, that's what I do. I set the garbage can on fire. Uh, oh my goodness. That's not what I mean once by diversion. Un, once Uncle Joe starts on chemtrails, I set the garbage on fire. Do you think fire. that there are people in your family, though, that would consider you the crazy uncle... I'm just maybe no no <laughs> no 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 okay <laughs> I'm sure that the, <laughs> I am certain that that is true <laughs> if you if you do have to hang out with someone who conspiracy theories just drive you completely crazy you know poor Chuck he has to deal with this all the time do something you are prone to conspiracy yeah. theories do something productive with them play a game build something, do some kind of craft or something, take a class together, hike, create, um, do something that's going to manufacture common ground discussion. And it keeps you from even delving into like dangerous conversational territory. Now, here is where you have to look in the mirror and say, am I crazy Uncle Karen? <laughs> How do I avoid falling for a conspiracy theory? Well, one, just question the sources and follow the sources. Trace that roadmap that led them there and work on that piece by piece. You can't just say it's not an inside job. So many people, when they listen to talk radio, they don't look to see where those people get their sources. They, they just think, oh, well, my source is good enough. They don't realize that you need to check those sources, too. So, well, they don't realize that I'm the source of a lot of those things. <laughs> you know, I just call in and tell them, yeah, this is what it oh. was. But anyway, also be aware of visual manipulation. I mean, that we saw that with, uh, oh, who was a girl that was tearing up something and then they doctored it to show her tearing up the Constitution. You remember that? I don't, one? I don't remember that. Um, it was one of the student protesters oh, at Parkland, right? Right, one of the, um, Stoneman Douglas right. kids. Mm -hmm. That's very easy to do. Any image can be altered. If you look at if you look at pictures of me, I'm actually not six three. <laughs> and I don't have a full lush brown hair head of hair. <laughs> So don't believe something just because there's a picture or a video of right. it. Right. And people forget that video can be altered. I mean, it's right. right. Oh yeah. Now, here is an important part. Accept your own ignorance. Yeah. It's impossible to know everything about everything. Even though Karen will tell you she knows everything about everything. I don't know anything about don't, math. Except for math, right. yeah. <laughs> don't don't let the need to feel smart or in the know actually make you believe a lie. Right. Here's an important one. Get out of your bubble. Get to know people who represent your fear. Now, me, I don't really have fears except for snakes. I don't want to get to know them. But anyway, read their sources and their stories and diversify your own information. Be curious. Ask, always ask questions and be willing to learn, you know, and force yourself to challenge your own belief and try to prove yourself wrong. Right. I think one of the signs of intelligence is to ask questions. And people who don't do that, you know, they're... Either be quiet or ask questions, because <laughs> as soon as you start right. talking, you you show your ignorance. So, as soon, hold on. If you're asking a question, would that be talking and showing your ignorance? <laughs> okay, so, that's true. Yes. 
anyway, force yourself to challenge your beliefs and prove yourself wrong. And if you're really nutty and you think, here's the example Karen came up with. This is the kind of thing I deal with. If you think your water is causing mind control, who in their right mind would come up with an example like that? It worries me that that even popped into your head is something. But anyway, if you think your water is causing mind control, have it tested at an independent lab. Right. They're going to think you're just nuttier now. No, I mean. But, you know, walk in there and say, you know what? I know the aliens, you know, put the tinfoil on your head. Go in there and say, I need my water checked. The spaceship that's parked up at the Parker's garage, it's, it's controlling my mind. You don't have to say what it's being checked for. I'm just saying, challenge your own suppositions. That's all. Okay, but if you're so crazy you're having your water tested, you're going to believe that the aliens got to the water. The aliens, the reptilian people were controlling the lab. Okay. And they're giving you false results anyway. You have to, have, you have to build your own DIY test kit that's what you'd have to do it's a bad example anyway go ahead if you have access try to convince your co-host to have cognitive behavioral therapy (laughs) yes i (laughs) I agree with that (laughs) try to have your co-host do cognitive therapy (laughs) seriously though i mean we laugh about that but it really can be very very helpful if you are stuck you know sometimes our conspiracy theories are based on things that we some tiny truths that we had growing up and sometimes we need help to kind of combat that thinking and to to really um focus on truth and like train our brains to believe what is true instead of what we have convinced ourselves is true so if you have access to it cognitive therapy is really really helpful for a lot of people actually it's helpful i think everybody should go through it i think even if you're somewhat healthy Mm -hmm. myself i went through it and what it does it's a logic-based thing that when you have somewhat irrational thoughts you have to challenge those thoughts and say what are what's the evidence and you actually write it down like you know the pros and cons what is the evidence that this is true what is the evidence that it probably isn't true? It's it's really good stuff. So right. I would recommend it highly. Well, so with everything that we've seen recently, obviously there's a correlation between the president's rhetoric and his supporters' behavior. But there's a couple of things that actually make what he says so dangerous. In every speech, he speaks to the audience's prevention-oriented mindset. And it's that mindset that fuels conspiracy theories. Instead of promotion, instead of this is how we can be better, this is what we can do to be better. Instead of that, it speaks to well, preventing things. So, Right. He's, it's preventing build the wall. Right. Keep the Mexicans out because they are coming over here raping, murdering, stealing. Right. Muslims are, you know, Muslim ban. Don't let any Muslims in because they're going to blow up the country. Right. And the, the, I mean, everything that he does is to instill fear. Right. And that's preventative. Mm-hmm. He wants you to take some action. He plays on fears. Right. To prevent something bad. Right. And that fuels from it. happening to you that's not likely to happen. Right. And then the other thing that he does that is that this is a little bit more subtle sometimes, I think, but it's, it's so, so dangerous because um, 
by doing away with institutions, by fracturing people's trust in institutions, it takes away their frame of reference for facts. Like you can't, there's nothing to grab a hold of as factual if everything you're looking at is a conspiracy theory. This is going to sound like a joke. Do you know what people trust now? Do you know what people trust these days? What? The military and Amazon. Yeah, I... That's true. Look at studies. It's true. The military and Amazon. The whole trusting Amazon thing makes me think of like Brondo and Idiocracy. I don't know if anybody who is listening has watched Idiocracy, the movie. It's one of my favorite movies, but um, it is not family friendly. Let me just say that very quickly. But it is... <laughs> there's a company that like takes over um, yeah. and and that's like Amazon could do that. People are starting to trust in businesses over government institutions. That's scary to me. I mean, over the justice department. It's going to be on our money soon and Amazon we trust. Yeah, but it's got electrolytes. Okay. Anyway, well, these conspiracy. But you know what? Yes. This just happened to me the other day. I ordered something for Pooch's burp. Logan, I call him Pooch, but ordered something for all the things I order from Amazon, Karen. Mm -hmm. It's the first time a package ever got lost. And they gave me a $20 gift card and shipped it prime and I got it. You know, so, I mean, they're reliable. (laughs) Why are, why are we talking about Amazon? I, uh, they're trustworthy. (laughs) See, they're the ones. Yeah. They're so trustworthy. They know everything you're going to order before you order it. So they That's do. Sometimes shady. they order it for me. Yeah. They order it for me. See? I do like how they have it set up now with the groceries that you can have like detergent and toilet paper and everything just shipped to you once a week. <sighs> That's amazing. It's like they're reading my mind. Well, how I guess did, they how have a they promotion mindset. So how do they know I love string cheese the way I do, Karen? How do they know? <laughs> Exactly. That's what I want to know. Anyway, we do know that these conspiracy theories, they're they're hurting people. They're killing people. And it really, really has to stop. It does have to stop. And that is all we have to say about that. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to us and for sharing the show through word of mouth and through social media. We want to especially thank our friend Alicia, who is so helpful to always do that. And we also really, really appreciate our Patreon supporters. You guys are just awesome. We really appreciate all of you. Thanks, everybody. Absolutely. Bye. Thanks, everyone.